I saw your face displayed upon a crescent moon that wavers up and down depending how the petals bloom. Doomed, always destitute, fused through infected roots, searching for a message, but there's nowhere left to exit to. Heart full of vestibule scars, show I'm resolute. Why seek a resolution? Narcosis heaven sent. Heart grows beneath my feet, dark grows infested fruit. Too exhausted, need to breathe. Car smoke emits perfume forever. I've been inhaling the thinnest air, fist scales on my skin and hair. Says up what you didn't care. Dancing like I'm Fred Astaire, standing on a finister, ready for the rocks below. Chest full of rocket fuel, flammable. Just another animal for fossil fuel. All my words are oxidized, jar of flies or molecules. I find solace in the solitude. Everything grew silent when I called for you. I saw your face displayed upon a harvest moon Tried to sing the pain away in ways I know it's not in tune Save me from the jaws of gloom Maybe I can offer you more than what I say I made of lately It's my Waterloo Hate me for my monikers Baby, I'm a connoisseur Gave away my parts to you Sang it like a cockatoo Smaller still Always crawled the pill to face robotic hues Haunt me when the monsters taught me Talking in the solemn hues together They say I got away with words It never gave me worth But still I got away with worse Always dreaming while they take the churn Throwing matches till I matches Leave me at the stake to burn Encased in urns Earnest fake concern Circus circle us Taking churns Thermos brazen Stay alert in turtle shell Maces turn fragrance Say the word before I hurt myself Pain occurs sacred When you came up from infertile soil I saw God in a body bag I got lost in the stars when they crossed Like a polygraph, never lied Cardiac in every line, insomniac Forever, never go to sleep again Black lungs from the fallen ash Giraffe tongue with a heart to match Gets out in half like the Dahlia Place pain on display in Hollywood Painted all like Dollywood Face of war, fountain pens, melting countenances In a drawing book A psycho full of cyclones, eyes closed I go cold when I fly low Brains feed on haikus, eyes so Related in my temples, Cairo bouncing from their homes like their silos. I'm silent. He'll tell me where the time went. Kill pyramids that followed with a knife grip, vice grips. Always on the mind when the crisis hits. Everywhere is like a mine. I step. I'm an atom bomb made of atoms, atom up. Adam's apple rotten, smash the applesauce. Adam, no Adam, Eve in anatomy. Only albatross 
as if I have to sneak another casualty of the casted wings casually. I'm high again, vibrant as a hyacinth, idling. So I pretend that my defense is working, lurking with the burdens that still have below the surface. I know these things have meaning, sometimes I don't know the purpose. Introverted, dizzy from the disconcerted tizzies. Mr. Perfect isn't worth it, give me what I didn't earn. Put it in and earn, live and learn. I could never tell the difference when I'm miniature. Red alerts, red aloud like ministers. It's hard to breathe when you're drowning in the goodbyes. But I'm still here now, so tell me what it looked like. They use the sword to signify that you're a good knight. Then use the same one to kill you and say good night. Everybody in the world blind Please Lord give me a sign A sign I wanna be the greatest Everybody on the face shit I look around and feel like everybody is the fakest I make this Every day and I'm impatient Hoping one day I blow up from the basement Happy, happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to the Mark and Mo Show. Mo, how are you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. I want to talk about trading. We got some stuff that we got to talk about first. If you guys are brand new, though, please, for all purposes, please smash that subscribe button. Click a thumbs up if you enjoy this. We are the entertainment slash education portion of the Come Up series. On Thursday, we like to chill. We like to talk about everything, not only stocks. If you look up there in the right-hand corner, you guys are right you know, over there somewhere, it explains exactly what we talk about, politics, life, stocks, various different things. Sometimes the topics could be a little sensitive, but hopefully you guys enjoy it. And if you do, make sure you throw one in the chat. So without further ado, Mo, how was your trading going this week? It's It's been good, man. The month of August has been tough in the sense that swing trading hasn't been really working unless you were trading non-index names. One of the biggest reasons why I'm in this room today is we're going to be talking about trading, so I need all my monitors. So anytime you guys see me in this room, it's because we'll be going over charts uh, and we'll be going over trading. Um, last two weeks, I went over concept theories. Um, this week, we're talking about Friday, zero day. Um, you know, when I say Friday, zero day, the next word that comes in my mind is lotto. And I really try not saying it, uh, but that's kind of how it comes out. Uh, but that's why we've never talked about it. But someone in the chat mentioned last week, and I thought it was a good idea um, to apply all the things we've learned in practical. So we're going to do that today. Yes, we do enjoy you guys' feedback. And if it's a good idea, we'll take it like we just did today. So let's... all right. So, Mo, overall, your week was good, though, when it came to trading? Um, It's good. Uh, it's actually very good because there's been no stress. It's been just day trading. Um, swing trading, I'm trading, like, silver, like I said, non-index name. Um, got into Piton because this new COVID variant, which I honestly don't want to talk about it because every week there's something going on. But there's a lot of flow that we're seeing in all the COVID stocks. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. But, um, yeah, I think a lot of people, um, are making a mistake of just trading just how they trade without realizing that the market not might be the best market for swing trading. So that's something you learn from experience though. Yeah. My week was absolutely terrible. Yeah. Um, this is the first month since January that I had a bad week. 
So you guys know I've been doing verticals for almost a year now, November. That's all I've strictly been doing for the most part, been killing at it. This week was definitely rough. And last week, we got to talk about the elephant in the room. AMC, that was one of the calls that I gave out. Um, I did take it myself. We did talk about that as a meme stock and that things can happen. It's, it can be risky. And I was willing to take that risk. Worked out for two days. It was up 50%. Greed. Greed got me. Not going to lie. Greed got me. I wasn't really too nervous because we know these meme stocks, they'll pump up and down. No issue. The only thing, the only thing that I miss, and that's why we always say do your due diligence. Because it's a meme stock, I don't really pay attention to the news. I don't care what's happening. We all know AMC is not a good company. It's a failing business. It's going to probably be bankrupt in the next 10 years or so. You're just going by whatever volume is coming in, right? That's usually how you trade these meme stocks. Um, so yeah, I got into it. It was up. I didn't take profit. And Monday, I noticed, no, it wasn't Monday. It was uh, two days ago, Tuesday. I noticed a glitch on E-Trade. Um, there was this announcement that the ape stocks were going to get transferred over into AMC stocks. So there was going to be like a merger slash split. I guess I didn't understand the, the, the proper splitting that they were doing in this one. Cause usually like, um, basically the apes was going to convert it into AMC shares. So I didn't really care. Ape stock went up, AMC stock went down. So that's normal. Usually just like when Microsoft said they were going to buy Activision, Activision stock went up, Microsoft stock went down for a while. And then it would just kind of reverse. That's what I was expecting. Um, instead, I opened my E-Trade account. The cash secure puts that I had showed zero, as in I didn't collect anything, any premium. And that threw me off because remember I told you guys I collected premium, I think it was 74 bucks or 72 bucks. And I bought another one that Monday because it went back up to the 70s. So I bought two contracts. And then, yeah, two, and then, yeah, the Tuesday or Wednesday, whatever it was, it was um, showing zero. So I called E-Trade. And there was, I guess, a glitch in the system. They couldn't even explain it either. They're saying, but just know you did collect the premium, whatnot. They said it takes about 24 hours for it to show correctly. Come today, I mean, come yesterday, um, still didn't show. I called again. And then today, something really weird happened. The merger finally went through. My 100 shares were converted to 10 shares. Now my cost basis on AMC was 14, I'm sorry, $34. But AMC stock was at $14. And my cash secure put still showed zero. I called them. I was on the phone with them for hours. They couldn't really explain anything. I was like, look, I was just like, just tell me how much money I lost. Like that's that my only thing. I'm trying to calculate this up because how much I lost. So I think I lost around two hundred dollars. They said it should reflect in twenty four hours or some crap like that. But what's the lesson learned here? Don't trade fucking meme stocks <laughs> and stop being greedy. That's the biggest thing. Stop being greedy because I knew it was a as an AMC as a meme stock. I was expecting you know hundred percent or so. Did not happen. So. Yeah, that, that one was the only bust that we've had so far. All right. Uh, thanks for talking about your L's because, you know, most people don't uh, talk about it. And that's why, like, I am very careful, too. Like, when I have too many wins, I feel like an L is behind. So I, like, start scaling down. And it's this is one of the things I learned the hard way. My biggest L's have been after my biggest uh, wins. So I'm very careful. Um, yeah, but I want to talk about one ticker before we move on. That's CLS. I used to get so many DMs for this. This was my biggest position this year. And I posted my profit screenshot on Instagram. You guys can go take a look. I got a couple of DMs. I didn't make a lot of, uh, in terms of percent, but it was one of my biggest positions. And I'll tell you why I got out quickly. Um, I made 10% on that position. At one point I was up 20%, but there were people in September calls. Uh, someone made 125%. Someone made 33%. Um, and I guess someone in the chat made $35. Um, but we'll see. 
I'll keep looking at these trades uh, as they come. But um, yeah, like Mark said, uh, you got to keep the L small and you got to talk about it too. If I think a lot of people don't talk about it and then they start lying to themselves saying that they don't lose. <laughs> That's just part of it too. Um, sometimes I get on these one-on-ones and when I ask people, how's your trading going? And they are very hesitant talking about how much they've lost because saying it makes it real. Yeah. They could care less what how I would judge them. I don't think they think that. I think it's just saying that makes it even more real. When I was a new trader and I uh, used to blow accounts, sometimes I would not even open that brokerage for months because I didn't want to accept it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like I had like three or four brokerages. Let's say I blew my account on TD. I wouldn't want to go back on TD for like until at least I've made my other account like three, four hundred percent. And then I'd be like, OK, I'm ready to accept it. But that was a very loser mentality. Um, which I changed then, uh, now I like, like to talk about losses a lot. Um, so we've talked about veil. It worked out. We talked about CLS worked out. If I ever call out a trade or even Mark, uh, we both talk about it. It has to be a very responsible way of doing it. Not that it's going to make money or lose. It's just, we put in a lot of thought beyond it. How it does has, we have zero control over it. Um, Mark, I had a guy, um, I had someone on the call today and they told me that, how do you know when to sell at the top? Like basically max profit. So I told them, I took a trade today, 44, 20 puts, bought them at three, sold them at 15. They went, I think 40, 45 today. So I left around more than 50% of more than about 70% of the gain. If you look at it. Mm -hmm. So the answer is I have no idea. What I do is I put my stops. I know my profit taking. After that, I have no clue how high the stock will go. Yeah. I no. just, when I get uncomfortable, I start trimming. Yeah. No, I like what you said there too, because we're gonna get into that a little bit later. We're gonna talk about some of the the other stuff um, here. There's actually a, I have a video to play that I think kind of plays into what you were just saying here. But it's the truth, man. Listen, trading, you're gonna take L's. It, it's we're gonna take L's here too. Um, but you're right. I think I just feel like sometimes a lot of the people who are in front of the camera that. I guess some people see as experts in that space, they feel uncomfortable admitting that they've had L's or that they did something wrong. Instead, it's like, let's just ignore it. No, you can talk about it because it is part of the process. Even, even the best of the best take losses at times. So it's nothing to be shameful of. And I don't know why people are, are so weird. One of the guys that follows me on Instagram, he's been trading really good and he posted something and I reshared it for him. And he hit me back. He's like, it's really weird. He's like, my posts and my engagement is never that huge. But every time I show my L's, it's huge. I get a lot of views. People are like, man, thanks for being transparent. He's like, but when I post wins, nobody cares. It's the losses that people are starting to pay attention to because they start to realize that they're not alone. That's the thing. The good news is I'm still beating the market, though. So that's that's the good thing. So I was I was up a lot more, but I'm definitely beating the market because the other trade I took was Target. Didn't go very well. But I did take some Apple trades. That went well um, this week. And that's pretty much it. But, yeah, let's, let's talk about some of the entertainment stuff. Did you watch the GOP? Everybody, we're going to talk about politics right now. Do not get triggered. It's okay. You may not agree with our opinion. You're more than welcome to engage. And if you want to, you're more than welcome to come up on stage too. So let's go throw out the invite link real quick if you want to join this conversation. But Mo, did you watch the GOP debate? You're muted. Hold on. Sorry. I was saying I don't watch any of this stuff at all. But upon Mark's request, I'm like, let me go down this rabbit hole. So I started watching one video, then two. I spent like three hours because it was actually very interesting. I did not like, so this is how little I know about politics. What just. Yeah. Your camera froze and everything, but we got you. you. I, I, we can hear you. I have no clue what just happened. So 
this is how little I know about uh, weird about uh, news is that I was watching uh, the news, I think after 10 years or so. Um, dude, the uh, the anchors, they're very biased. I had no idea. I thought they were supposed to ask neutral questions. Um, but on your GOP, I felt like uh, Vivek, um, he seemed very, very confident. Like he does has no issues Oh, whoa, he just dropped off. Mo completely dropped off. Sorry, guys. Well, I guess I'm going to continue to talk real, real quick. Let me play the video in case you guys missed the GOP. You know, elections are coming up soon. You probably won't see much on the Democratic side because there's only a few people that are running against um, Biden. But I don't. Biden already said he's not going to debate. So um, I don't know what the other candidates are going to do. But let's take a, let's take a look at this clip real quick and then go from there. Eight top polling Republicans on stage here in Milwaukee for the first presidential debate. Right out of the gate, the candidates tried to stand out from the pack. I was elected as a conservative Republican in a blue state with 61% of the vote, with a Democratic legislature against me the entire time. And we still, through hard, strong decision-making, brought them around to our point of view. I'm an entrepreneur. My parents came to this country with no money 40 years ago. I have gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies. I did it while marrying my wife, Apoorva, raising our two sons, following our faith in God. That is the American dream. And I am genuinely worried that that American dream will not exist for our two sons and their generation unless we do something about it. On the hot button issue of abortion, the candidates drew contrasts. This what the Democrats are trying to do on this issue is wrong to allow abortion all the way up to the moment of birth. We should not have a federal abortion ban. I am unapologetically pro-life, not because the Republican Party tells me to be, but because my husband was adopted and I had trouble having both of my children, so I'm surrounded by blessings. Having said that, we need to stop demonizing this issue. This is talking about the fact that unelected justices didn't need to decide something this personal. Absent from the two-hour event, frontrunner Donald Trump. But the candidates were asked to weigh in on the 91 criminal counts the former president faces. We need to end the weaponization of these federal agents. Right. Whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office of president of the United States. We have to have respect for our justice system and the rule of law, and it starts at the top. Trying to stay above the fray, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott emphasized his personal story. As a kid who grew up in a single-parent household mired in poverty, every politician has a story. That's the great dream part. It's like that's part of the speech. Let me tell this dramatic poverty, Devastated by the challenges of life, I came to the conclusion that America can do for anyone what she's done for me if we focus on restoring hope, creating opportunities, and protecting America. Throughout the debate, former Vice President under Trump, Mike Pence, shared his resume. I am the best prepared the most tested, the most qualified and proven conservative in this race. It's debate night, but we're not in Milwaukee. Five minutes before the debate telecast kicked off, a, a Trump interview with Tucker Carlson played on social media. Yeah, I'm going to stop that there. So, yeah, watching this, watching this entire um, event was was very interesting. It's, it's highly entertaining, specifically because this is not how debates used to go in the past. Um, but watching it. The, the one that stood out the most to me, what I noticed was the, the female as well as Vivek Ramaswamy. Those two are the ones who stood out. I know a lot of people are threatened by Vivek Ramaswamy because he's going on all the different platforms, liberal, Republican. He's been on Patrick Bet David show. He's been 
on The Breakfast Club. He's been, I think he might be going on Rogan. He's been on so many different platforms and he's getting a lot of, a lot of attention. But um, it's funny, someone said Mike Pence is scary. You know what's funny? When I was watching that, I looked over at my wife and I was like, you know what? Mike Pence would have been perfect 50 years ago. Like people make fun of him because he's like, you know, they say he's a closeted gay guy because, you know, church going guy, probably closeted gay. That's like the whole running joke because he's just so boring and he is. His personality, he has like zero personality whatsoever. But, but if you listen to the stuff that he says, he's just kind of like a traditional old school Christian dude who just goes to church. He's probably a great husband, probably a great father, probably a great friend, but nobody cares because they're just like, he is so boring. You got your stuff together there, Mo? Uh, some some issue with the camera. The moment I turn the camera on, the mic goes off. So that's weird. All right, I guess we can't see you. Can you are you able to share a screen still and stuff? Yeah, I should be able to share share screen now. That's weird technology, man. But yeah, we were just going over the the GOP. Um, I don't think anybody wants to come into the room to have that discussion or anything. But yeah, just looking at it, I, I would. I know everyone was expecting Ron DeSantis. I know he gets the most attention on the mainstream media, but I think that Vivek Ramaswamy guy is going to really take over. Like you were saying earlier, he stood out amongst everyone. And and the lady, I forgot the lady's name. I I knew it earlier. I keep forgetting. But um, if anyone knows her name, please drop it in in the chat. There there are two ones who stood out the most. Chris Christie seemed to be the villain on stage. Nobody really liked his takes on anything. They were audience would boom and stuff. So it was, it was pretty interesting. Overall, though, it's going to be it's going to be interesting moving forward. I was expecting to see Larry Elder on there, especially he's been getting a lot of traction ever since that debacle of the Breakfast Club interview. And um, he didn't make it on stage. And I, I heard he's going to sue the Republican Party because apparently or GOP, because apparently he says he met all the quotas. He should have been on stage, but it's not it's not happening, man. So who knows? It is what it is. But it was very interesting to watch. You know, Donald Trump did his own little thing on Twitter um, with Tucker Carlson. Um, it said it got over millions and millions of views, but I know their impressions are very different than, um, than like YouTube and stuff. You can just scroll through it and it would consider it a count. All right, on to the next topic. Since we were talking about dicks, what happened to dicks, man? Did you did you pay attention? Yeah, I think. Are you talking about the the shoplifting and stuff? Because ever since you start talking about it. I've been seeing it a lot. Like people, it's a really yeah. massive issue in states. I didn't realize it was that big of an issue. Yeah, it's it's funny because um, you know, I was playing on the words when I was like, let's talk about dicks. And um if, if I was gonna it was I thought it was funny. Anyways, but yeah, basically that's what happened. I mean, the earnings report was absolutely atrocious. But just going back to what you were saying about you know the crime and stuff, we talked about that last week. And the reason why I want to bring it up because it's happening more and more and more, and it's going to start affecting communities. I was trying to have that discussion. It's going to start affecting communities, especially communities within low-income areas, because it's not just the uh, you know the Louis Vuitton stores and Nordstrom or the Gucci stores. No, they're also doing this to Target. They're also doing it to Walmart. They're doing it to all the smaller stores as well as becoming a habit that the stores are starting to close down, which is now not, it's basically terminating hundreds of thousands of jobs within those communities, which a lot of poor people live in. And this is kind of what happens when you allow zero accountability. And when there's maybe no parents at home or parents are just being too easy on their kids. I don't know what it is, but this generation, I, I cannot stand. But yeah, Dick Sporting Goods here, I got the notes right here. Dick Sporting Goods reported a 23% decline in profits and lowered its earning guidance per year due to increased retail theft. And Target's been warning people about this earlier this year. Cause I remember it said that um, Target, I think it was a CEO. He said that 
Um, they're struggling to contain and escalation store crimes from petty shoplifting to organized sprees of large scale theft that cleared entire shelves of products. Target warned this earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's what we're talking about. That they lost, they were expected to lose half a billion of dollars because of rising theft. And now Dix is also using that as an excuse as well. I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that, I mean, they, they missed everywhere. Bottom line, everything. I mean, it was just, it was atrocious. atrocious. That's the reason why it dropped 23% and then it dropped even more. Um, it's in the low 100s. I got 1013 last time I checked. It went as low as 102 of 103, I believe. Um, and then Foot Locker stock plummeted also 34%. And they also used one of the reasons why it was because of the theft. And because of that, a lot of the retail stores started selling off somewhat a bit. The you know LVMH didn't sell off or the, like the premium ones haven't sold off yet. But this is kind of just showing you what's happening here, that a lot of these stores are being ransacked. Nobody's doing anything about it. And all that's going to lead to is um, less profits for these companies. And they're just going to turn to doing stuff online or selling through Amazon. So it's really, it's really interesting. Yes, Nikki Haley, by the way, that's what I was talking about. Thank you. Yes, Nikki Haley, that's who it was. Um, so yeah, what's your take on that, man? How did that just happen? That's crazy. No clue. But uh, what's, what's your thoughts on this whole conversation? Um, I like I said, um, I think um, someone mentioned that they don't think um, like there's shoplifting an actual thing. But when I worked at retail, they said their biggest operating expense is uh, shoplifting, and they told us that sixty percent of shoplifting was internal, meaning employees. And that was, uh, I worked for a co-parent company of Best Buy. So um, that was that. Apart from that, a lot of people are bringing very good point. Online shopping is huge. The store that I used to work for, they closed down because what people would do was, in, it was like Best Buy. People will come and check out the new stuff at the store, but they would order it online because it would be cheaper. And then our store didn't match online prices. I think now most stores do match online prices, but I don't know about you, Mark. I've been like ordering like random stuff on Amazon that I'd never think like I'd order a toothbrush the other day off Amazon because I'm too lazy. But I do like like things like if there's like one or two things that I know I don't want to go in the store for, I just do Amazon that I don't need right now. Does that make sense? I don't yeah. know if you do that. Yeah, I, I do. Some of those go to Amazon, I end up shopping for stuff and it it can it, it gets pretty getting crazy man with the online stuff but yeah i do shop my wife my god she's notorious for shopping stuff online it's like every day is christmas there's some sort of package that arrives at the house but yeah i, I like i mean i like the i see the comment that pascal said i don't 100 agree but i do agree at the same time i it's happening it's definitely happening in chicago it's definitely happening in la and well cali period and it's definitely happening in new york i have family that lives in new york they've seen it i have friends who live in chicago and i have friends that live in in cali it is it's pretty bad out there. However, I do think these retailers are using that as an excuse for the fact that what he was saying with the inflation, I think that is bigger, a bigger part. People may not be shopping as much as they want. And with the goods also being stolen right there, that will affect it as well. So I definitely think that it's, it's a combination of both. But I, I can see the retailers starting to use this as the excuse on the reason why they're not hitting their numbers for sure. But let me play this clip from Yahoo real quick on Dix. And I want you guys to listen to the this hedge fund man, this hedge fund hedge fund <laughs> hedge fund manager um who ended up having some stuff to say as well um because he was he was going long on dicks and he was bragging about it apparently so let's see um <laughs> he's going long on dicks all right let's see what he had to say chart of the day is an ugly one it's dick's sporting goods on pace now for its worst day ever 
Stocks down 24%. Earnings missed. Revs missed. Comps missed. Steve Weiss missed. Weiss, you join us now on the phone. What? What? I just want your reaction before everything else. Yeah, well, look, uh, a few reactions. First of all, I did detect some some glee in your voice as you're saying Steve Weiss. No, I didn't. I really brain. didn't. I, I, I'm no, serious, I though. I Like, what's up with this, Weiss? This is one yeah, of your favorite, so look, favorite names. It, it, it's my only retail exposure. And, uh, you know, the last few shows were asking about it. I said, you know, my target's about 150 or so. Um, frankly, this is just... This is a you know uh, an era that, that I made. So you go back to the old adage: uh, bulls and bears, uh, you know, make money; pigs go broke. So um, that's what happened. The stock was close enough to my price target. Uh, I thought management would be able to execute. They've held their actually margins and sales post pandemic. One of the few retailers to real online retailers and bricks and mortar to really do that. Um, so I got a little piggish. I, I was thinking the stock would, would trade well. Easily. It's a good quarter for them because of outdoor activity. And uh, and I was wrong. So uh, may a couple of my part, really no excuse for owning it, given where my price target was and how well the stock did for me. So what about but, now? You know, what about now? Did you, do, you, do you buy more yeah. on the dip? Do you sell it? What, what do you tell now, people? This isn't the type of market I think where you buy on the first day that it goes down. I do believe the stock will will go higher. If you look at the history of it, it's had periodically not drops of this size, because as you correctly point out, it's the largest decline ever. Uh, they took down earnings by about 10% going forward. A third of that is from shrink, which is, you know, the, the uh, coordinated theft of the source. They call it the earnings report saying Even shrink. Even though this is the first time Dix has mentioned it, frankly, on a call. Look, here's what's encouraging about it. What's encouraging well, about it is... Let me stop you for one second. Uh, forgive yeah. me. This idea sure. of, of shrink. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the retailers used to blame everything under the sun. It, it, you know, here and there, it's like everybody right blamed the weather. You know, you know where I'm going. This is yeah. like the kitchen shrink. Um, Somebody in there right there. How everybody he kind of pushes them, presses them on that as, are you guys using this as an excuse? And... That's exactly what I'm, I'm talking about. They could be using this as an excuse for their losses as well. But it is definitely happening. And unfortunately, you will see these stores, when it comes to money, the stores, is, they do not care about where they're located at. If they're, not make, if they're not making money, they're closing down. It doesn't matter. So they're going to be out and it's going to be all fully online, unfortunately. It's sad. And people are going to lose their jobs. Uh, what's your thoughts, Mo? Anything? So I just want to say shrink is the same thing I was telling you last week. It's called shrinkage. They're using the short form called shrink. Uh, it is a real thing. I'm just starting to think like when if we do get a recession or if things get tight, are people really going to dick sporting goods to buy sports related stuff? Like I'd see no. people transition like for me, like I think you guys in Florida have Publix, right? That's your high end store. Yeah. So I could see a lot of people like, OK, I'm not going to go Publix now. I might go Walmart. Someone who's shopping at Target might go to Walmart. So I think those stores may benefit or revenue might decline for everyone. But I don't know, like times like these people will probably impact their spending when it comes to stuff that's not needed right away. So it makes sense how, why they missed. Yeah. I, um, I don't agree with, uh, is it Audrey, what she's saying right there that people are shoplifting. I think they can't afford to buy things anymore. I mean, that is true too, but I mean, when you look at the footage and all this stuff, this isn't them really grabbing food. A lot of them are grabbing electronics, um, high end, 
luxury items, um, shoes, dick sporting goods, where their shoes were getting stolen, um, baseball bats, because apparently there's baseball bats that are like $200, $300. I, I didn't know they cost that much. Um, they would still, it was still stuff like that. Home Depot, uh, that happens at Home Depot too sometimes. There's a guy, literally, they were talking about it on the news. There was a guy who would show up four times a day, would just walk in and grab all of like the drills or whatever, put in a cart and walk out and nobody could do anything. He would do Mark, that over and over. Do you know what's the most common item stolen from an electronics store? Because I did this for seven years. You'd be uh, sure. Let me, let me guess. Um, or okay. people can guess too. What's the most common item stolen from some some place like Best Buy. Yeah, let's let's see if anyone if anyone guess. I I think I have an idea. Oh, see, look, Malik was just saying he's like, "Yo, I'm living in the Bay." See, yeah, my one of my best friends lives in the Bay Area too, yo. It's crazy. Stealing, yep, they're stealing to resell, exactly. That's what they're doing. Um, so no no response. Oh, someone said, "Here we go. We got one person. Printer. That's not what I'm going for." All right, I'm going to give All right, hold on. Batteries is the next one. Someone said batteries. I'm going to get give it one more TV. TV headphones. All right, I'm going with. I was gonna go with um, phone chargers. It's actually a Dyson vacuum cleaner. Those are they used to keep them right when you enter, and they actually start. If you go notice, retailers moved. The reason why they steal Dyson vacuum cleaners, at least in Canada, they're the easiest ones to resell. They sell very fast. So wow. Even if you put down fifty dollars down from retail, people will just snatch them up. Guys, it's a pretty big deal in Canada. That's so funny. Could you imagine a guy pulling up to you? Hey, man, I got the Dyson dog. You want a Dyson? You want a Dyson? I get you a good deal, homie. So, I, yeah, I've been, I, listen, I've been in situations like that before, like Home Depot. Like, no lie, this is 13 years ago. Me and my wife were, were at a Home Depot. We were shopping for a new faucet. And it was a faucet and something else. It was like a cable for the, for the dryer, I think. And the dude who was helping me out. He was like, hey, man, he was like, uh, get everything you need. Just throw me 20 bucks. On, uh, uh, that's all you. That's all I want. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, grab whatever you want, man. It was, this is a worker there. I was like, cool. Put the cart and he was like, all right, just follow me. And he just like walked me out. And he was like, all right, have a nice day. Give me my 20. I was like, okay. Like, I, told, like I said, most thefts <laughs> in retail stores are internal. Yo, um, it was crazy. It was crazy. I didn't complain, though. But was it wrong? Absolutely. Nowadays, I would not. I would not play that shit. Those are my younger days. All right, <laughs> talking about the zero accountability in this world and people just becoming scumbags. Let's talk about Fresh and Fit. Did you guys hear? Who in this chat knows who Fresh and Fit is? Please, please, please. I would say raise your hand, but we, we can't do that. Drop a one in the chat if you know who Fresh and Fit is. Because so while you guys are throwing a one in chat, Fresh and Fit is a widely, widely popular podcast on YouTube. It's two guys. Um, I don't even know what the one of the guys' name is. I think Myron is the the more the more personality than the the other. I think the African dude. His he's supposed to be fit or something. I don't know what his name is. But they're notorious for basically bringing drunk girls on. They do the whole red pill thing, and just embarrass the girls and talk about you know men are superior. It's it's pro men stuff, but they kind of do it in a way where it's it's not. Imagine like Kevin Samuels, and I know a lot of people hated Kevin Samuels, but imagine Kevin Samuels, but just very, very immature level of that. So did you watch any of their content? Yeah, um, I went through the videos and I don't think it's pro man too, man. It's just pro stupidity. Like it's like, 100%. it's like crazy stuff like they talk about and I'm surprised they weren't banned a lot earlier. Yeah, it's... um. Yeah, but they have they have such a huge following, man. They were on um, Patrick Bed Davis podcast too. I actually commented on there. I was like, I love you guys. I watch you guys' podcast all the time. It was this was a good podcast because they did they they actually behaved 
very normal, like regular dudes you could have a conversation with and they have their opinion. That's fine. But I was like, this was probably the worst time to put him on there because just like a couple nights before that, I saw something on YouTube where Myron, the main guy, dressed up in a KKK outfit. Yeah, and started saw a bunch of racial slurs on Sneeko's um, pod, podcast or whatever his show that he has. And everyone was laughing. He thought and it was just cool. And I, and I posted it in there. I was like, this is probably the worst time to bring these people on because it actually makes your brand look bad. Even though I know the reason why they brought them on there because they're huge on YouTube. But let's play this clip real, real quick. There was some news that happened here. The guys officially have been canceled off of YouTube. When I say canceled, they got demonetized. The job that I truly loved to do this, right? Because I shouldn't be admitting this, but saving children, right? God. That was great. <laughs> but saving you guys is better. not very alpha male <laughs> right yeah so they that's what that's that was announcement how they got they got demonetized essentially and then they try to use the, the excuse that they're saving lives and saving children's lives it's like remember that big buff steroid user um what was his name liver king liver king yeah remember his apology he was like i lied basically i lied for the kids i saved so many lives you know it's just like stuff like that these these guys are a joke this is listen i'm 100 against cancellation the reason why I bring this up is this is what karma is. And I say karma because these clowns, this is what probably a lot of people don't know. And I'm glad the lead attorney actually did it alive a couple of days ago. He talked about it. Anytime you said anything negative or exposed them of who they really are, because first of all, fresh and fit, I don't believe these dudes are getting laid like they say they are and they have all these crazy skills. Maybe now because they're celebrities and girls will just sleep with whoever because they're a celebrity and they live in Miami. But these guys are not who they said they were. Text messages got leaked. They've been exposed so many times on how to do that. They would, they would tell girls, girls would be like, can I come on the show? It's like, yeah, but you got to sleep with me to get on the show. Stuff like that. So this, all this stuff has been already exposed. These guys are clowns. But the biggest issue, the reason why I wanted to bring this up is that I'm 100% against um, canceling people. I don't, I don't like it. I don't care. You just can not listen to the person. I'm not subscribed to Fresh and Fit. I think they're clowns. I don't watch them. So I'll unsubscribe. Um, so just do that. Just ignore it. I don't know why this, 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 mob of i want to take your livelihood away from you because in the end of the day this is their livelihood clearly i don't think they were very smart about setting their stuff up i think they should have probably i don't know what they were expecting on youtube maybe they thought Mark, they were... this is a business decision they didn't get canceled this was a this is not a can this i wouldn't call them cancel this is a business decision youtube made it because you know you're getting a lot of ne negative publicity and their basic people will basically say um, YouTube allowed this to happen. So YouTube preemptively did this. They probably would have gone canceled eventually, but uh, YouTube kind of took an action before this. You, Dude, YouTube, like, I don't know. Um, you probably know this. You've been creating content for a long time. I've heard that if you mention certain words that are not kids-friendly, kids they, like, kind of push your content back or something like that. So it doesn't show up. Yeah, that, that does happen. Um, they have so many crazy rules. Like, on my political channel, um, Shameless Plug, Half-Breed Observer, you know, the whole thing is just me being satirical and making fun of politicians or the left or the right or whatnot. Um, some of my videos I know get shadow banned because I found this little trick someone told me. If you try to run an ad on your video, so, I mean, like, monetize your video as in, like, your video will show up somewhere on someone's page. You can pay to do that in Google Ads. But Google Ads has a process where they have to verify it and make sure it's, you know, good to go. 
Um, so I would get like over 1500 views on one video, then the next video is like 20 views. I'm like, well, why isn't I getting traction? And it's usually ha if I have like a political figure in there. Like I did one video that said W supremacist. I can't say, that's one of the words you can't say. And I had Obama there, but the whole joke was about what's considered, you know, white supremacy, I guess. And it got flagged as um, I was trying to do a political advertisement. It's like, I did, that's not at all what I was doing. The thing had nothing to do with a politician. I just mentioned Obama at one point um, as a joke, but that got basically flagged. So it wasn't shown to people. So they have a lot of strict rules. But my, my frustration with Fresh and Fit and why I say karma, usually I'm not against them getting demonetized. That's what I mean. Cancellation, demonetized, whatever. They can't make money off of YouTube anymore right now. Um, the only reason why I'm actually okay with this, because these dudes try to get the lead attorney, um, try to get his channel pulled down. They've tried to do it with so many different creators. Anybody who would do any negative um, coverage of them, they, they would flag and they would try to get their YouTube channel demonetized. And they did it over and over. Abba and Preach, that's another one. They tried to do it with them. It was like a list of different people. I think even Kevin Samuels did a video on them and he, he, they tried to get him demonetized. So now it's finally full circle. Now it's hitting them and they want to do this whole pity party and cry and walk off stage. But that's not very alpha male for one. All, all Everything about them is not high value man that's the thing that that frustrates me but i do not feel sorry for them at all on what happened chat what do you guys think oh hold on what was it malik there you go it's like he's like the sad part right that's one the sad part yeah they have a, such a huge following very very much it's very similar to um hold on, the black channel okay jason black exposed them for bullshit oh yeah isn't jason black was also one of those people i think they um also try to get demonetized. There's so many people that try to get demonetized. Now it's finding full circle on them, and I don't feel bad. But they're right. They had such a huge platform, and they could have done good with it, but they chose just to essentially grift and be stupid and create these little weird incels. So anyways, enough of that. Next. Jackson Hole and Seasonality, Mo. All you, brother. Okay, so um, let's share my screen. Um, does anyone remember what happened last year, Jackson Hole? As I share the screen, let me see how many people have done their homework. Hmm, last time, I think last time, didn't the market sell off? Okay, let's take a look. Let's make this screen bigger. Hold on. There you go. I'll zoom in here. So we're going to go back um, to August 25th. Nope, right here. Where are we? There you go. So this is August 25th, and this was the Friday, so tomorrow, last year. Um, 4,200 was where we tapped at. Where did it go? Sorry. This is where we tapped at, and if you guys look at it, from there, we actually went all the way to 3483 in a roughly less than three-week period which is probably one of the biggest drop I've seen. So from 4,200 to 34, or let's say 3,500 after, after Jackson Hole event. So it is big, and a lot of people are expecting something to happen uh, in terms of what Powell's going to say. I personally think Powell's not going to scare the market, and it's not going to be uh, as dramatic as last time. Um, that being said, if it does happen, people aren't prepared. What I mean by that is there's not a lot of puts. So if it does happen, it's going to be worse than last year. But I don't think that's what happens. I think we do go down. I think by September 15th, we should 
range around 4,200 or lower. Um, and that's because that's just how the seasonality plays. The only thing that I personally think can give us a short-term rip is if uh, Powell starts talking about rates and lowering them down. Because if we keep going like that, I think you will see more regional banks um, go broke because um, these interest rates aren't sustainable for long. So um, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. This is not looking good. So I see so many people are doing calls and they're doing it for three days out, four days out. I'd say this is a day-to-day market. Um, what you, what I could tell you in terms of technicality, above 4,400, they will buy a dip because we're in positive gamma territory. Under 4,400, we're in a negative gamma territory, which means they're going to sell the rips, which is what we saw today. Um, we have someone um, that made, like I know someone, one of the members, they made $7,000 today. Well, Mark knows him. And literally he watches days like these. These days are called trend days. These happen 20% of the time. When they do happen, you just buy and roll. What does that mean? You buy something close to the money. Once you feel like you've gone like seven, 800%, whatever percent that you're okay with, you either roll to a different one or you start scaling out. And that's what he did. I think he put in like roughly $1,200 and made $7,000. So in my opinion, $7,000, you've made your month. Now, what most people do, Mark, is now, okay, I made, let me go add calls for next week or let me add more. That's why are you doing that? We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it's going to say. You know what the problem is? And I'll, I'll be the first one to say, let's say I say get calls for Monday. What most people do is if it fails, you call it a hedge. If it works, you say I knew it. Like That's the problem. And that's why like I've gone off Twitter. I barely post there. I'm only focused on Instagram because Instagram keeps me like I only post what I want to show people. I don't get thrown stuff that I don't want to look at. So I'm sort of very, very focused. I know what I'm looking at. So I've gone so disciplined in the last three months that um, if something comes along my way and it doesn't follow my system, I just don't take the trade. It's that simple. The idea is to avoid bad trades as much as I can. And if I miss some really great trades in that process, I'm absolutely okay with that. Um, yeah, um, that's sort of like the what I, I'm going for. But day to day tomorrow, we're looking for a retest at 4,400. 4,400 is a key magnet. If we break, let me get you guys the levels. This is not the this is not the um, zero day lotto thing we're talking about for Friday, right? Yeah, and we're not gonna call them lotto either because I'm not about to give about like fifteen hundred two thousand people these lottos. So <laughs> get stuck with an AMC situation like like me last week. It's funny, by the way, is earlier someone said in a chat I saw that they said it's been that that E Trade situation with me happened to several people they know. So yeah, um, so forty three sixty seven, forty three thirty four is the level I'm watching. I think if I have to short it. 4438. If you guys look at this, is called the supply zone right here, also known as the sell zone. Um, that's what I'm looking at. The only thing you need to understand is there's something called um, how do I say it? volatility sell off. This happens because right now everything for tomorrow is expensive because everyone expects Powell to speak tomorrow at 10:05 EST and 
everyone's prepared. Some people are buying calls, some people are buying put. So it's an event. That's because that's why the IV is high. When he does start speaking and after he's done, IV is going to sell off. And majority of the time when the market's going up, people have added puts. Like the market's gone up, right, since then. So people have puts in place as hedges. When Powell's done, people will sell those puts, which is going to shoot the market higher for time being. And this could last 10, 15, 20 minutes. After that, you should see an actual result. All depends on what Powell says. If Powell does not scare the market, we should see a big rip right after Pavel speaks. And that might be short-lived based on how well he speaks. If he does say absolutely nothing, then the market should rip to 44, 44, 20, uh, maybe 44, 50. And then I think that's where we should end at. If you're new, should you be trading tomorrow? You guys know the answer. If you guys are pure swing traders should you be trading tomorrow you guys know the answer i've been saying that for the entire month of august find plays that line up with every single thing that i've taught in terms of a plus setup this isn't something that i invented it's just basic probability game we're lining up where if we're right we make shit ton if we're wrong we don't lose much that's it that's it that's the, that's the game so every single time we take a trade over time, you're going to be more right than wrong. And when you're right, you're going to make more. And when you lose, you're going to uh, lose less. That's it. That's the game. That's how simple it is. One thing that gets us all, all of us, right, including myself, is when we say my gut tells me and potentially your gut is based on that one week where AMC went from two to 50 and you want that kind of move to happen once more, one more time, right? I, I don't think like that. I think I'm... I'm almost there in terms of FOMO and like missing out on move. Uh, it's you go through so many trades every single day. So and they become hundreds in weeks, thousands in months and probably millions in a year that you don't really care about every single trade that's doing well. Because I'm pretty sure every day there's some trade that hits a thousand percent. So with that being said, you just need to make sure when Pavel speaks after he's done, if he doesn't say anything new, if he just calms down the market, the moment he's done, we're going to see a big rip. This is when puts are being sold and people are getting out of position. So just know if you're short, that's one thing you need to watch out for. One more thing, watching SPX, watch Apple. Look, Let's look at Apple. Where is Apple sitting at, right? Let's look at it from a first perspective. You don't need to add like a million indicators here, but when we look at it, where are we right here? We where's let's stick, let's pull the key level. What's the key level? 180. We're currently sitting at 176. If we revisit 180 and that's where you are looking to short, that's not a bad place. 171.44 is going to be support. We're in the middle of a range. I never trade in the middle of the range. I'll wait for either to, for this to get one to 180 or for 175 to break. That's how I would take this trade. But be extremely careful if you're shorting the market when Pavel's speaking or right after. Because what happens is, and I hope people know this over trading, we have algos that are trading based on certain words. So if Pavel says something about recession, based on what the combination of the words are, algos are going to buy or sell. If he says anything about interest rate, quantitative tightening, quantitative easing. These are words programmed in algo that they're going to buy and sell. Me and you cannot out-trade them. So that's when I chill and sit on my hands. 
But if we're under 4,400 tomorrow, the gamma tells me that we have to sell the rips. That's basically it for Jackson Hole event in my, that's what I'm looking. I'm going to go with fresh perspective. I'm pretty much all cash. CLS was my biggest position. I have the most controversial play I have right now is Piton uh, because it's a COVID trade. I would not be comfortable giving that trade out because when I come in here and I give out a trade, it has to match my system 100% where I know people aren't panicking. CLS was a March contract and it was down 25%, I think, at the highest peak. And I had about 10 DMs if I'm still holding it. And you guys can go check my Instagram. I posted my profits there along with other people's. If I call something, I'm in it. It's that simple. If I lose or make, it will be posted. That's also simple. Yeah, same here. You guys already know I'm my Instagram, Dope Content Creator, and you can find Mo at OE Clubhouse. Um, we did have it before we get into, um, I think that was it. That's pretty much it we're going to cover today, right, Mo? Well, we just got to uh, finish Friday, D, and then we're Oh, know. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, we did want to talk about something as well. But there, before we get to this next subject, if you guys ever send us questions, we will sometimes try to cover it here on the channel. I did have a person who reached out and asked me what my thoughts are on TSLY. Can you pull that up? No, um, I was going to call, call you no. Can you pull it up real quick, um, Mo? TSLY. So he was asking what our thoughts were on this uh, for, I don't know if it's he or she. Sorry, my bad. I just know they, they messaged me and I, just, I didn't want to forget. Um, <clears throat> it's t So basically, I know the TSLY is one of those weird option ETFs is that uses like synthetic cover calls strategy to generate income and exposure to the price of Tesla. My understanding is that it's some sort of yield of like 49%. This isn't, I don't, looking at it, this isn't something that I would invest in. This looks more like something to trade. Even going all the way back, it just looks like something to trade. Look at the options chain as well. Um, it reminds me a lot. What was the name of, it was this, I think it was XSP. It's similar to XSP. I feel like that options aren't going to be liquid on this. Yeah, let me go look. I'm going to look it up right now too. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it. I've never heard of it before, but just looking at just the little research I did, it just doesn't seem like something that I would um, get into. It is also it is easy to borrow. Mid cap size, mid cap forty eight four hundred eighty three million dollars. Let me look at the options. They have monthlies on this one, and monthlies usually mean uh, Mark that it's not that much. Uh, it's not traded that much. Yep. It's not, and the spreads are. They're vac. I'm oh, looking at it, dude. It, they're insane. Dollar thirty-five to three forty is this ask and bid. That's insane, and that's for an in the money. Yeah, this is not something I would touch at all. It's a broken chart, man. Kind of had yeah. a feeling. Uh, but again, I've never heard this before. Um, it was just a little research I did. Anything that has some sort of weird strategy, option, yield, ETF, that sounds like red flags to me so sorry i am not sure not for not for not too familiar with it but if you ask me for my recommendation i if it was up to me i wouldn't touch it and it sounds like more wouldn't either so um but yeah let's let's get into let's get into that the the friday thing well and then close it out with a small little discussion there on a video that you want me to share okay can you add this for me for some reason it won't let me add now sure what is it the chart oh yeah sure Okay, so for any time I'm trading um, zero day, I'll tell you like a little secret, which um, I think people should know already, but I'll mention it. So what I look for is, especially this is for zero day only. Okay, you need to look at pre-market uh, high and low 
And usually when we break pre-market high or low on a Friday, it tells me that something's changed in terms of momentum that we're able to kick off. And that's a there's a very good chance that we break on that side. So let me show you an example. Today is going to be obvious because we had a trend day, but I'll pull Tesla. Tesla is on, let me just clear. Okay, so I'll give you an example. So what I would do is I would look at the high pre-market, which was 244, and then I would do low, which is 236. And anytime we break that, it's usually you'll get a trend on that. So that's one. Second is the high of the day and low of the day of the day prior are very key levels of bounce. So in this case, low of the day was, let me zoom in, hold on. I want to make sure I get a precise level. So low of the day was right here at this candle opening. So this is where it usually bounces. So if you guys look at it, it came pretty close to it and it bounced right off of it. And similarly, a high of the day too. So in this case, we didn't have the high, we had the low. So that's what I would look at. Something to note for zero days. Okay, so we're looking at Tesla option for zero day. So I'm going to show you the daily chart for it. I'm going to show you 100 moving average on it, just so you know it's a key level. We're not going to be using um, daily chart when we're trading zero days. So, but we do mark important levels. So 222, 28 is a, uh, on a daily chart is 100 moving a support, okay? So now we move back to our five minutes and we can hide this because we don't need extra stuff. Um, so that's there. The low of the day for Tesla will be this from previous day, which is today and Thursday. And the high would be, is this still Thursday? Yeah, right here. So now we have some levels drawn. Now we're going to look at, I do look at 30 minutes to see if there's any supply zone. So if I was to get into calls, this is where I would take uh if this is where i would take profits but because it's here um this would be my entry for calls for tomorrow 228 if that's where we open if that's tomorrow is a weird day right we're doing this friday but tomorrow is a weird day because 30 minutes into the market pavel starts speaking so you have to be very careful and on an average january or last year i was taking on a friday three to five zero day trades do you know on average how many trades i take on friday zero day maybe one most of the time i don't take any zero day trade because i don't see how you could make a shit ton of money because you're gonna go small and the stress is there and you feel like you're gambling because there's a million things happening one news can come in and your port gets wrecked especially for new people i don't let them trade any zero days for three months that's sort of my rule because most people can't handle volatility but if i was to take calls 22820 is the level i'm watching and if i'm doing puts 222 is going to be an iron wall you know what a lot of people are going to do they see this gap they're gonna like let me go get put but 100 moving average for daily ain't a joke it usually sticks so let's just take tesla's plan for tomorrow these are my levels here's it's a 30 minute chart here's another demand if i play downside my first profit taking will be 225 my second will be 222 if i'm playing calls i'll again we'll be like what do you mean by if 
the flow. The flow is God. If the flow, if if in the morning there's no flow, I don't do anything. I took 225 calls last week. They went from 2 to 20. I sold everything at 7. And then I rolled, sold them to 200% because there was someone's put $10 million on that. As of now, they're buying puts. Let me pull it. Give me one second. I'm going to give you Tesla flow in a second here. Yeah, hey, real quick. Well, Michelle, can you um respond to my message there in the b- below? You said that uh, we were talking about TSLY. Um, we get to that after. I'm going to get back onto that after you go through this chart. But um, let me know, was he talking about options or stocks? So as of today, there has been no um, Tesla trades that I see that are big. Of course, Tesla is like traded every day. So I'm guaranteeing that there's flow. But something that stands out, I haven't seen. The last one that stood out came on Tuesday. Let me go over that. That was $6 million for October for 235 calls. We know this person's down at least $3 million off that trade. The other trade also came that day. This was um, 220 puts for this week. We know this person made some good money because Tesla took a big dive. Um, but yeah, so for tomorrow, uh, for calls, if 220 holds, I'm looking at 235 calls. There's two things that are important on Friday zero-day lottos, right? That's two things. One is the strike price you pick. This is the range. So I would pick a strike price that fits in between 228 and 238 for calls and for puts. I would not go beyond 222. If you pick the wrong strike price, your theta will be greater. And if your theta is greater and the stock doesn't move fast enough, you're going to be down even though your stock moved. The second thing is the ticker you're picking. If you pick Walmart over Tesla, you need to go even closer in terms of in the money or the contracts you pick. At some point, I recommend that you pick at the money, but by lunch, you should have taken some profit because after that, theta really does get huge. But um, apart from that, summarizing this, if we can hold 228 and bounce off of that, I'm looking at 235 calls. If we do break 228, I'm looking at 222 or whatever, 222.50 puts. That's it for me. Good stuff, Mo. Thank you. Um, hopefully you guys wrote that down. Also watch the replay for sure. If you uh, were a little confused um, back to the TSLY there, I'm, I'm glad someone posted it. Apparently Mark talked about it and um, she, she bought it. Um, looking at it because options, it looks very ugly. Um, but you know, he gave you the person who wrote me, his name is Gustavo. So um, I gave you my opinion on it. Mo gave his opinion on it as well. I wouldn't touch it. It sounds like Mark Monroe said it's, it's a good buy. Stock. I wouldn't touch options. I know yeah. nothing about the stock. Options. The stock, I can see I can see why, because it is close to the 52-week low. Um, it's The 52-week low was $12.53. It's currently at $14. So if you know Tesla runs, I'm assuming this runs as well. Again, I'm not too familiar with this, but I am familiar with dividend stocks. And this has a 71% dividend yield. Be careful. Be careful. That's a trade. Me personally, if you would take this, this would be a trade. Be careful. 71% dividend yield. They give quarterly dividends of 83 cents per share. So just as a dividend investor, those can be dividend traps sometimes. So just be careful. But uh, so you have two different opinions on TSLY. You guys do what you got to do with it. All right, Mo. Now, when, uh, when we pull up that video, you said I should share with everybody with that guy at the keyboard. Yeah. All right. Because we're going to talk about a little bit of trading, but this is just the mindset overall. 
I'm very much in this space. I don't know if you guys have been following me on Instagram. I do these fake podcast um, speeches. And it's because I'm at this age now. I'm in my 40s. I don't know what happened when I was on my vacation. I just see life very differently. But I've also been reading this book called 4,000 Weeks. I definitely check. I definitely recommend you check it out. Um, this video was sent to me by a cousin from the channel, or she used to be. Shout out to her, Tina. One of the great things about being a content creator in a finance space, and it's one of the few great things, is meeting cool and awesome people. And she was an individual that I met, and she's awesome. I'm not sure if she trades anymore or not, but we still keep in touch. She checks in on me every once in a while. But she sent me this video, and I guess I missed it when she texted me a few a few months ago. Um, but we were talking today, and I saw this. So let's play this real quick. You were put on this planet to experience, not accomplish. I've been saying this for the longest time. Look, mental health struggles are a really big deal in this society. And the reason why is because everything about the way this society is structured and ran goes against our nature. This is a big reason why every time I see videos with those successful business gurus teaching the mindset and habits of successful people, I kind of cringe because I can see through it. And even if the advice they're giving is valuable when it comes to attaining career success, it's not going to help 99% of people. And it's because most people can't operate outside of their nature. They just don't know that. So instead, they think they're lazy. They think they're low value because that's the mindset the higher ups bestowed upon society by way of extreme technology so that we would all capitulate in their favor to avoid being labeled as lazy or, quote, low value. You see the mind game? If you don't play the game and don't accomplish, and God forbid you're an adult, you still live at home, you have to bear the brunt of societal judgment as a result. Then you start feeling bad about yourself. And then the quote professionals will label this as depression. But deep down, you know there's nothing wrong with you. There's something wrong with the system. See, what's really going on is you're a natural being trying to operate and survive in an extremely unnatural environment. And as far as your, pur as far as your purpose and achievement is concerned, if we lived in a system that was more catered to our nature, I believe we would all organically be in our purpose and we would be achieving great things left and right, even more great than we're achieving now because we wouldn't feel the constant social pressure to earn and survive. We would just be, and you would be amazed at what would happen if we could just be. You I love this. I love this a lot. Um, you wanna you wanna add anything to that, Mo? Um, yeah, I think I like what he's saying, but I would still take accountability and changing the system. Well, the way you change the system is you change the environment. What he's saying is people around us, the society's telling us to do certain things. It's sort of like in a world where everyone's told to fly, you might be a swimmer, right? But you feel like you're bad at flying because everyone's flying. And that's only because you've never really have people that swim and they're happy. Very bad analogy, but what I'm trying to say is you just need to change the environment, right? And when COVID happened, I did that for me. So I live in Vancouver, Canada. I've been used to a corporate environment, right? When COVID happened, I had to cut that off completely because COVID happened. So I changed my environment virtually. I met a lot of people through my financial literacy journey, and that really changed me. If you saw me pre-COVID to now, I'm a completely different person. For a lot of people, this could mean getting out of the neighborhood you're in, the friend circle. And if you could physically move, I think a lot of times you'll try doing new habits, but your friends will drag you into your old bullshit. And it's because it threatens 
them because they can't change so they don't want you to change and it's happened so many times it's like a guy who's trying to quit alcohol but then your friends are saying you're too good to hang out with them and they'll say shit to you so you feel like you're being a jackass by saying you don't want to drink and then you start drinking it's the same shit that with everything working out trying public speaking you know like trying to like just expressing your feeling it doesn't make you man enough it's i think it's all about environment and we don't really need to accept the burden of the world we just need to change the 10 people that we speak to every day that's it yeah and that was the thing that i think you and i were talking about a long time ago about your your journey of what you're doing right because you you help people you have your own discord you trade consistently i've seen you do it i've seen i used to go through group to group to group and I'm going to be honest, as as much as I hate to admit this, running a Discord group is hard, man, especially what you're doing and trying to trade full time and trying to manage other people. The fact that, like, for example, this AMC thing, the minute that AMC trade went bad, I felt like shit all day. I couldn't wait to come on the show and basically say, yo, this was a dud. I lost money, too. I'm sorry, basically, because that shit happens. Now you, as an individual, also in the society where he's talking about, you're in this finance space and you are doing this and I, I respect you for it, but I don't know how you can mentally continue to do this because trading is fucking hard. I don't care what anybody says. Trading is fucking hard. There's a reason why I do vertical spreads. I love it. It's easy for me, at least. It works for me. I think everyone should experience all the different ones, but it works for me. I have a nine to five. I'm a YouTube content creator. I have children. I have a wife. I have friends. I have family. I'm in school. I'm starting school again September 1st. Like there's so much shit that's happening that we sometimes forget what's really important to us and the environment that we're creating. And you, I can see you. I just, I don't know how you do it and not going crazy because this shit is hard. So I'll tell you something. Like when I was trading in 2020, I went to... Uh, a group did really well and then they went at 2000 people and then I became an admin. They went all the way to 10,000 people. I think that was one of the largest discord, any discord paid group that I've ever seen for financial literacy. I think it was one of the biggest one and the person didn't, wasn't that involved. But what I noticed was every month there'd be new people and old people be leaving. So you don't really have an emotional connection. You don't really care. And you're charging 2025. So it's like, whatever right it's sort of like getting a coffee from a really shitty place you paid shit you got shit like that donuts is that what you're talking about dunkin donuts dunkin donuts has the grossest like when i was in florida i don't know who told me i would never go there for coffee anyway so <laughs> moving on i had my own journey i've had breaking points what i've realized over time it, it's good to have a good mentor but also very important to get the right mentee so I'm very upfront on who I'm looking for. Have you ever seen me market a thousand percent gain ever? I don't market that shit. I'm very clear on what I do. I'm actually very picky on people who I take. And as a result, I was like, I'm closing down the mentorship program for now because I don't want to take more people. I had a conversation with someone today and I told them that if you trade this way, it's better for you to cancel because the person, I don't want to say too much because it's personal information, but they don't have time to learn, but they have time to execute. Does that make sense? Yeah, they have time to yeah. execute, but just not to learn. But the learning is the most important part. They learn. You can't execute before you learn. So you, they, they were, they're told to learn. And if they tell me they don't have time to learn, then how do they have time to execute? Which is you want to trade, but you don't want to learn. So you shouldn't be in my group. So um, 
basically, I think what I'm trying to say, it is very hard, right? Because you're calling out stuff. And as much as you say it's not a financial advice, do your own duty, you know a bunch of people are going to do it. And for that reason, I don't do lottos anymore, right? Because as much as I like to say it's lotto, high risk, it's going to go to zero tomorrow, someone might not be in the right frame of mind. And they might be like, I really need this money, so let me do it just this one time and it should work. So I'm very responsible. I take this as like a real estate business where it's an investment. That's how I started to think. And that's the kind of people I'm getting. If you tell me, Mo, I want to work with you and I want to make money fast and I want to day trade and scalp together, I'm likely going to say this is not the right partnership. We won't work. That's not me. So I did not have the expectation right when I did it's been amazing. Like my goal is not to get high probability plays. My goal is to avoid low probability plays. If that makes any sense, I change the way people think. And then that fixes things. Most people talk about how much money you're going to make when you rewrite, talk, keep talking about losses. If this play doesn't work, this is how much you're going to lose. If this play works, this is how much you're going to make. But the loss part is huge because now you're preemptively expecting that this will happen. And if it does happen, expect it if it doesn't happen now you're happy because you just made a bunch of money do you think that in 2020 when this whole emergence of all of us started rising up on the internet with financial literacy and trading groups do you think if maybe people paid attention more and talked more about the losses and risk management less people would have gotten burned yeah but the problem is most people come from sales and marketing including myself my background sales i've done all kind of sales and the problem with that is, have you ever seen Apple say shit about their product, even though there's stuff like battery life or other stuff? No, right? Mm. People think they're Apple when they're marketing for their Discord. It's not the same business. It's not the same shit. You need to get the right people. I'm telling you, that's what the problem is. I've seen a lot of people talk about like smoking weed, getting high and trading. Drink. I think people think it's cool. Like it keeps the stress level low. And then someone posts like a healthy plate where there's salad and green and people start bitching at them. It's like, you're trying to flex. And then someone flexes a Rolex, a beer. People are like, that's the lifestyle. So people are selling lifestyle. They weren't really selling proper risk management. I think, um, by what we're 2025, most of these groups will be obsolete because it's hard. Like you said, like, I had five friends that own different groups and they're all gone. All yeah. gone. They're out of business. Yeah. I've had out of all the people, like again, on my journey for these past three years, almost four years now, one of the perks was I met a lot of people. Some people in, in person like yourself, like you and I became friends through this journey. Shout out to Q, met Q, became friends. Um, Tina, met her, became friends. There was cool people. But what I also realized, like you just said, maybe only 30% are left. When I check in on it or I see them, they're still seventy yeah. percent quit. Seventy percent people are just they're mad, they're angry, they they lost money, they didn't understand it, and I think it's just it was way too much ambition during twenty twenty. And like you said, it was way too many people started Discord groups, people who shouldn't even have started Discord groups, or people who don't even know how to run a proper business. Dude, I had a I had someone buy my course because they were having issue with risk management, and then they launched their course a week after. So it's like. I get it. People are trying to make money. It's hard. But yeah, it is what it is. Some Rooster said, very true, but knowledge and persistence makes a difference. I think knowledge doesn't do jack shit, in my opinion. I know so many, like you need technical understanding to start trading. But most people that lose most of their money are very knowledgeable. Like they'll tell you 
this is what's going to happen. Like, whoa, you connected the dots. But sometimes they've connected the dots too much that they think they know what's going to happen. And persistence, in a way, yes. I know people that are persistent that have been losing for two years, but they're persistent of trading. I think it's simple math. That's the biggest one. As long as you have simple math and common sense, you're fine. A lot of our trauma gets reflected in trading, including mine. With what I mean is we overcomplicate things. We self-sabotage. Like I was talking to Mark yesterday about a bad habit. I have nothing about trading, but about just like being cheap on certain things and how it costs has cost me thousands of dollars. And I feel like that probably creeps somewhere in trading too. What I'm like everything we do in life makes sometimes some certain things are holding us back and they'll hold us back in trading too. Trading needs a very unique set of skills and a people that struggle the most are usually the smarter ones. Those are analytical people. They overanalyze and under execute. Most people that do really well are drivers. They're naturally like they know how to execute. You need to teach them risk management and just a system so they know when to scan the analytical people you need to tell them to unlearn a lot of stuff and then have a checklist and not use their brain or gut feeling when they're in the moment just just follow the plan that's it like how many times you're in a trade and you sell and then you realize after that why the hell did i sell it didn't even hit my number why did i sell because at the moment Mm-hmm. you got scared and you pressed that button because you're just a responsible person. There's some level of risk required for top trading options. So it, we can go in this conversation. I could just tell you that I on, like I sent my calendar to Mark on a given day. I talked to three people for 30 minutes minimum. He has the schedule he knows. And if you just multiply three, and that doesn't matter Saturday or Sunday, three people a day minimum, you can multiply three by 365, you'll get roughly over a 1000 people as I talk in a year. And I can tell you what the common trends are. And I think it's mental. That's why I brought therapists in. And I realized a lot of this is too deep, that a group coaching won't help and people need to see like someone one-on-one and some of you guys might say oh this therapy is too expensive some people might say it's too cringy it's too cheesy but i'm telling you the stuff that you hate the most is the stuff you have to do it's simple did you say that drivers are more successful at trading than an analytical person did you say that you said drivers yeah all right cool so what we're telling everyone is go out there and get a cdl license <laughs> Do that first. CDL license, get that first, get at least 10,000 hours in, then go to the beach, watch the waves, and you understand charts. You're mistaking me for someone else. Do 100 squats. (laughs) No. All right, guys. Uh, Was was that it, Mo? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I think we're good. That was awesome. Guys, thank you for tuning in. Again, my name is Mark. You can find me on Half Breed Observer on youtube it's my political satire channel i would love if you guys go over there even if you don't agree with my takes just watch maybe maybe i might warm up to you i'm also on culture currency um every single thursday here until the end of the year we're going to be here um entertainment stock show just like we did this is the format you see hopefully you guys like it trying to switch it up a little bit because i'm I'm gonna be honest like we were just talking about earlier mental health stuff um the finance stuff it's i feel like i'm reaching to at the end here i kind of reached my goal so you know, um, and I'm not opening over Discord. Any of that stuff is way too stressful. So, like Timmy always says, I want to protect my peace. 
Uh, and Mo, where can they find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at OTB Shark Mo and Twitter is OTB, uh, sorry, Instagram is OTB Clubhouse. Twitter is OTB Shark Mo. Yeah, there we go, guys. Everyone, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you guys next week, Thursday. Peace out. Oh, hey, also, do you guys like the music in the beginning, like the, the build up? I like to find obscure music and play it by doing that every single episode, having a different song to introduce something new. I guess that's the only way I add value here. Until next time, peace out. That's Hunter.